0: Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. So the uh, title of this talk is um, This Fleeting World. And it's uh, a line that comes from uh, the Diamond Sutra, uh, Mahayana text, and this is um, the famous uh, passage, short passage. Thus shall ye think of this fleeting world, a star at dawn, a bubble in a stream, a flash of lightning in a summer cloud, a flickering lamp, a phantom, and a dream. This fleeting world and the essence of that teaching is um, to keep in mind the truth of impermanence and that We never know, we never know how long we have here. We have no idea how things will turn out and how quickly they can change just in a moment. The reason this topic is up for me um, is that uh, just experienced very uh, directly this truth of impermanence and how quickly things can change and this um, I just came back yesterday from uh, from Los Angeles came back late last night uh, with Jane my wife and adam my younger son, uh, from uh, being with my older son, Tony, and his family. Uh, by the way, it just so happened that in one of the books that I donated, uh, and somebody picked it up and she said, oh, here's a picture in here that might belong to somebody. And it's if you want to see, there's a picture of Tony and Adam and, uh, from years ago. Um, Maybe I'll put it out just to honor him. Along with my mom and my sister and my niece, Rachel, and two dogs. So here they are. <clears throat> Good looking group. <clears throat> you can come up later if you feel like seeing. Um, so we came back from, uh, from Los Angeles and visiting Tony and his family uh, from uh, a very sad uh, occasion, Tony's um, mother-in-law, Judy, who was more than just a mother-in-law, she lived with um, he and his wife, Lisa, and uh, their three children, my three grandchildren, uh, Jordan, Sidney, and Taylor. Um, she lived with them for oh the last ten years or so at least, and um, she was um, doing fine, her health was was a little bit shaky, had a few a few different uh, conditions and she went into um, uh, she had strong pain and it turned out she had kidney stones. Um, And plus a couple of other things, and they took her in and took out the kidney stone, uh, didn't realize that there was a big infection that she was having that was being masked by the uh, prednisone or cortisone, and um, in the process, um, the infection um, spread throughout her body, and she had sepsis, and then cardiac arrest, and um, she was gone. uh, It's one thing to lose somebody when you have a chance to say goodbye, but when it happens so fast, it's a real shock to, to the system and to reality. and uh so we had the the memorial service and the the burial yesterday and i flew down and i was uh very honored that um tony and his family asked if i would uh perform the uh the service um, which i did about 150 people came um and she, I'll say a little bit about Judy. It's not so much a, a, about Judy so much as she's the, the catalyst for us to take a look and see this reality. But Judy was um, really an extraordinary, loving, giving person. And it was so fitting that it was on International Women's Day because she really embodied those qualities of nurturing uh, that we think of so closely with uh, the, the, the best of the, of the, the feminine archetype and, uh, uh, that women are. Seem to be wired up for giving and loving and nurturing. And Judy was uh, an amazing nurturer. And as I said, she lived with, uh, with them, but um, she wasn't just Tony's mother-in-law. She was like a a, a mom to him. He shared some words that he somehow managed to get out through his, his tears. Um, and his um, his wife, Lisa, was so bereft, you know, when you see somebody just having a hard time processing it all. And um, she said, she was my best friend. And they were extremely tight, Um and she was like a second mom in the house. And their uh, her other uh, child, Jason, Lisa's brother, uh, also said, "You know, I'm I've been living here, living on this earth for 45 years, and um, it's still surreal that she's gone. But I feel this sense of completeness. We've We didn't have anything unfinished between us. We knew how much we loved each other. And she was, I couldn't have asked for a better mom. And I tried to be the best son I could. And we just, he said, I can't remember uh, having real anger between us in all of our lifetime. I said, wow, really? For your mom and and her son? He said, yep. So it was it was pretty impressive, and let me see a, a few other things before I um, leave. Twenty one years she was married to her first husband, Ralph, Lisa's father, um, who was a really good friend. He was there along with with uh, Tony and her brother and her brother's wife uh, and Jason, the the other son. Uh, at the At the deathbed, so there was Ralph holding her hand, her first husband of twenty one years, and her second husband, who passed away about ten years or so ago, she was also married to for twenty one years, and just an incredibly uh, devoted, loving uh, relationship, their grandchildren uh, his his grandchildren uh, who um, Judy took as her own. Came, were at the at the funeral as well. Um, she was a child of the '60s. Everybody said just a real free spirit, hippie mom, but very responsible at the same time. Uh, helped a gardener with his citizenship. She would go t- uh, um, volunteer weekly. The homework club. At, uh, at her grandchildren's school and just really concerned about everyone's development. Here's some adjectives, devoted, selfless, free spirit, unconventional, nurturing, heart of gold, generous, and on and on. Just a really beautiful person. And everyone was in shock because it happened so fast. And I, as I was reflecting to um, saying a few words to the to the group, um, just how mysterious how much we touch each other and don't don't realize the impact that we have on each other until somebody is is gone, and then you feel. The loss, I'm sure most of you are quite familiar with the the movie It's a Wonderful Life, one of my favorite movies of all time. As I've said before, I just see 30 seconds of any of that movie and I start to tear up, um, where Jimmy Stewart uh, just uh, gets a chance to see what the world would have been like if he hadn't been born because he says at some point in desperation oh it would have been better if i'd never been born and then hmm, starting to tear up right now <laughs> clarence the uh, the guardian angel sent to get his wings says okay let's let's see what this world would have been like if you hadn't been born and of course all of the the beauty that this that this m- m- Loving, giving um, beautiful man uh, put into the world would have uh, been not there and dramatically changed so many people 's lives and uh, it was it was like that for for Judy, so many people saying how deeply she touched them lisa 's friends all said uh, they would always come over to her house. She was like her when she was growing up. Hers was the house where they all hung out for Lisa and also to be around Judy, who was everyone's second mom. You, you're you the mom that I wish I would have had. That kind of a person. Mm-hmm. So there I was uh, saying a few words trying to make sense of of this for everyone who was, you know, in in shock. Um, And it's a particular challenge when somebody, as I said, goes so quickly because there's not a chance to process the goodbye. And so it's important to kind of normalize the the shock and the confusion and the disorientation, uh, that that's part of the process. And that takes a while to integrate um In itself, just all the shock and the confusion, and you know everybody here i 'm sure has been touched by by death at at some point. Um, I see that process as both mourning the loss and little by little integrating that loss but integrating the person into your being, so that rather than uh, just thinking of them and mourning them and wishing they were here, seeing that little by little the ways that they've touched you are living through you. And it was so beautiful to see these 150 people or so, so moved and realizing, oh, all of the goodness that, uh, that they received from Judy well, just keep on living on through them. What a wonderful way to honor somebody's life and to really honor their legacy. And this is something that I really encourage all of us. When you lose a loved one, when I lost my father, who was a key figure in my life, uh, who who died in 1984 at the age of 66. Uh, it took a, a a while to to get to um, process that loss, but at some point, it's he lives through me, and when I would say to my sons, uh, "I love you, boy," I hear my father saying that to me, and it's like a transmission. Um, so to really. Honor who somebody is, and also see how natural this process is. One of the things that I I had to do as part of the the ceremony was the was lead the um, the Jewish prayers of the mourners' kaddish. And if you're not familiar with uh, with Judaism, um, the mourners, the, Judaism has a really um, profound way of processing loss. It's a big thing, the mourning mourning someone, and you say the Kaddish, this prayer, which I'll I'll share in English. You say it. Um, each day for a year, the the child the child or children of of the the deceased you say the mourner's kaddish each day for a year. And when you're saying it in a room full of people, you always say it with others. You're supposed to have at least ten people saying it with you because it's something that connects us all that we all go through together. And and. Uh, for a year, you have this uh, this process. The first seven days are called you you do what 's called sitting Shiva where you 're mourning and people come and uh and speak to you and support you and remind you of uh and and share your loss with them so there 's definitely the mourning part and in fact another element of the of somebody leaving is that uh you tear a piece of cloth in, now in the, uh, uh, in the cemeteries, in the, the Jewish cemeteries, you get a little, uh, those closest get a little piece of cloth on a pin, and at the appropriate time you tear the cloth, uh, and if you don't have a pin with some cloth, you're supposed to tear, rent a fabric of your own clothes, as a way to um symbolize that the fabric of your life has been altered and will never be the same and so there's a all the space that you need to integrate that loss and this is the mourner's kaddish i'll read it to you in english it's very interesting even though this is a prayer to be said for somebody's passing, there's not a word about death in it. This is how it translates in English. Glorified and sanctified be God's great name throughout the world, which he has created according to his will. May he establish his kingdom in your lifetime and during your days, and within the life of the entire house of Israel, speedily and soon, and say, Amen. May his great name be blessed forever and to all eternity, blessed and praised, glorified and exalted, extolled and honored, adored and lauded, be the name of the Holy One, blessed be he, beyond all the blessings and hymns, Praises and consolations that are ever spoken in the world, and say Amen. May there be abundant peace from heaven and life for us and for all Israel, and say Amen. He who creates peace in his celestial heights, may he create peace for us and for all Israel, and say Amen. That's the Mourner's Kaddish. And you think there would be some mention of missing somebody or honoring the uh, the departed one or the dead, but the point is, as you're mourning, you are glorifying God in god 's infinite wisdom that this is part of life that this isn't a mistake in the uh, in the scheme of things that there's birth and there's death and there's joy and there's sorrow and to honor the larger picture the fabric of life and seeing Uh, As much as we mourn, as much as we feel loss, we celebrate the, the creation, the creative spirit that brings somebody into this world and also honors the natural law of impermanence. This is just like the Buddha reminding us to keep reflecting on impermanence. And we've talked here before about the the five reflections that one is encouraged by the Buddha to think about every day that one will become uh, old if you live long enough, one will become sick, one will die, that everything and everyone near and dear to us we will be separated from, and that we are the owners of our karma and our actions. And what our, um, what our actions do will determine our happiness or unhappiness. So this is very much um, aligned. The basic truth of impermanence is to be honored and um, acknowledged as one is passing. In the Buddhist chant, one of the chants that is sung, uh, chanted at uh, funerals, and also in a uh, regular recitation, Anicca Vata Sankara, it goes like this. Anicca Vata Sankara Upadavaya Damino, Upakitava neruchanti, de sang vupasamo suko. Say it three times. Anicha vata sankara, upada yadamino Upakitava neruchanti, de sang bu pasamo suko. Anicha vata sankara. Upadavaya yadamino, upakitva neruchanti, desang upasamo suko, anicca vata sankara. All, all things are put together, all compounded things are put together and are impermanent. Anicca, impermanence. Uh, they have the nature to arise and pass away. One who truly understands this, one who lives in harmony with this truth, knows the highest happiness. So there it is, this very stark truth of impermanence that is our gift to realize not to take this world for granted, that at any moment things can change. Now, the idea isn't to be living in fear and vigilance. It can easily go that way too, can't it? but rather to see we let go when this is how life is, uh, is unfolding and not think there must be some mistake here. As much as we think there are, there might be. And again, I've said this before, if you think in terms of many, many lifetimes, many births coming and going, it puts it in a very different perspective. As the Buddha said, we have taken as many more rebirths, higher than the highest mountain are the, the bones of all the births that we've taken throughout our journey. Greater than the oceans are the tears that we've shed over the course of our many lifetimes. So if you see it in that picture, it's a much bigger story than, how can this happen now? And if that's possibly so, who knows if it's so? As my, one of my teachers, Manindraji, used to say, you don't have to believe it. It's, it's fine if you don't believe it. It's true, but you don't have to believe it Yeah. Um, but who knows uh but if it is true we've been doing this so many times, and keep on forgetting, oh, what was that life about? Maybe you get some kind of glimpse, maybe ages ago I was uh you know in in Persia selling cows or in China in the the king's army or in who knows where and yet we don't remember and each one was the big movie of our, of that life <clears throat> so anyway this is to say you just if you see that life is so fragile you don't want to waste it and you want to come to the end of your life asking the question, did I love well? And knowing that you did really brings you great peace. Did I love well? Did I do everything that uh, I could have in this lifetime or the what I was meant to do sometimes when i'm at somebody's bedside and and they're they're in their transition, which is a very um, privileged experience. How many people have been uh by someone 's bedside as they've died yeah isn't it amazing this this mystery uh when i'm there. Whether or not they're conscious or have any kind of consciousness, there's something that they that they take in. And if it's true, uh, I'll just keep on saying, you've done your life really well. You've loved well. You've had a very positive impact in this world and all the people that you've touched. And just keep on reminding, you did it well. You did what you were meant to do here, and, and now it's time to, uh, to come to the completion. And the, the instruction that I've been uh, always moved by, this is from the Dhammapada, the Buddha says, the perfume of sandalwood rose bay or jasmine, cannot travel against the wind, but the fragrance of virtue travels even against the wind as far as the ends of the world, like garlands woven from a heap of flowers fashioned from your life as many good deeds. <clears throat> Just... As you reflect on how fleeting this life is, um, one motivation, one way that it, that it motivates you is to love as well as you can and to um, make as positive an impact as you can in this world. This is not the time to uh, to be complacent, this is not the time to just take each day for granted. This is a time not to put pressure on yourself to enjoy life, but to know that every every act that you do that brings about some uplift in in others' life or in your life or where you can see the goodness inside or uh, bring it out in others. um, That's fashioning your life uh, like a garland of beautiful flowers. And when you come to the end of your life saying, okay, I think I did it well. So just um, close and then we can uh, open up to um, exploring is together. Um, with the Tibetan, uh, the words that uh, I love from the Tibetan Book of the Dead, that I, I often uh, do read to somebody, if they're Buddhist particularly, to remind them who they are. And this is, by the way, this is a book called the Teachings of the Buddha. It's a kind of collection of the Buddha's greatest hits. Uh, that Jack Cornfield and and Gil Fransdell put together, Shambhala um, publication. And here's the passage that um, one reads uh, when one dies uh, to somebody who's died for about 49 days. You remind them, as they're going through their journey, who they are. So this is what is read. Remember the clear light. The pure, clear, white light from which everything in the universe comes to which everything in the universe returns. The original nature of your own mind. The natural state of the universe unmanifest. Let go into the clear light, trust it, merge with it. It is your own true nature, it is home. The visions you may experience exist within your consciousness, the forms they take are determined by your past attachments, your past desires, your past fears, your past karma, These visions have no reality outside your own consciousness. No matter how frightening some of them may seem, they cannot hurt you. Just let them pass through your consciousness. They will all pass in time. No need to become involved with them. No need to become attracted to the beautiful visions. No need to be repulsed by the frightening ones. No need to be seduced or excited by the sexual ones. No need to be attached to them at all. Just let them pass. Fundamentally, they have no more reality than this. Remember these teachings. Remember the clear light, the pure, bright, shining white light of your own nature. It is deathless. If you can look into the visions, you can experience and recognize that they are composed of the same pure, clear white light as everything else in the universe. No matter where or how far you wander, the light is only a split second, a half breath away. It is never too late to recognize the clear light. Let go, trust it, merge with it. It is your own true nature. It is home. So perhaps before we open up to a conversation, uh, let's go inside and reflect on those five remembrances, those five reflections, I am of the nature to grow old. This body is not beyond aging. I am of the nature to become ill. This body is not beyond sickness. I am of the nature to die. This body is not beyond death. Everything and everyone near and dear to me, I will be separated from. I am the owner of my karma my happiness and unhappiness depends upon my actions and my choices. And with that reflection, getting in touch with this fleeting world that one never knows. Let it be an inspiration to be present and be here for your life. And to Fashion from your life as many good deeds, like garlands woven from a heap of flowers. And just imagine coming to the end of your life and having that feeling of completeness. Mm, I did this one well. in reflecting on all the people and all the beings and the way you've contributed to uh, this world, just out of your goodness of heart, your consciousness, your love, your compassion, your wisdom, So, we can have, if you'd like, some time for conversation. Anything that might have come up from that, or any other reflections before we we say good night. So here, Andrew. Thanks, Andrew.
1: Um. I'm interested in hearing your thoughts about from reading the Kadesh. Is that how you pronounce it? Which is, uh-huh. Kadesh, which is pretty theological, and Buddhism is sort of non-theological or non-theistic, not atheistic, but not theistic either, I guess. And I'm I am i am curious about this. Just you know, often when I meditate, I you know get full of joy and I just like want to throw my hands up in the air and say praise the Lord without even particularly believing <laughs> that, God, that God even exists or without particularly believing he doesn't exist mm-hmm. or she or it or whatever. I'm just curious on your musings about that. I know one of your teachers, Ram Das, is pretty, you know.
0: You know, the way I see it, hmm. all the different expressions of the divine or what I call... The mystery are just this human mind trying to comprehend what is completely beyond our comprehension. So, wh- however you conceive it, I'm just remembering this quote by the Buddha: "However one can conceive, it is other than that." <clears throat> And in um, uh, it's in Majimana Yeah. yeah. Um, and the word God in Judaism is is off is if you're Orthodox, you write it G-D D because it's pointing to that which cannot be named. So the word is a kind of placeholder for the mystery, the incomprehensible. And that said, we each have our own ways of conceiving the inconceivable. For some, it's a a he and a, a male figure. For some, it's not a, a he; it can be an it. For others, it is no form at all, and for others, it can be the goddess. That can it can be the out of the womb out of which everything sprang. So it's just as is sometimes said in the teachings: fingers pointing to the moon. You know, and if you get stuck, somebody is pointing to the the moon. Uh, the uh, symbol for enlightenment in Buddhism is is the full moon, and somebody is pointing to the moon for you to see. But if you just stop and say, "Wow, that is an amazing finger," you know, you're not going to experience the moon for yourself. So let that pointer be an inspiration for you to get in touch with however you skillful means however it points you to that mystery that connects you with all of life for me the word i used to get very tripped up on the word he you know and these days i you know for, for many years now i had to tr- uh, once i found the dharma i just translated it as the dharma uh, but words have power that's that's the thing to really um take notice you hear a word that's triggered your childhood and it can be either deep inspiration or strong contraction when it's just a word pointing to something that's quite Mysterious and opening and, and, and beautiful. So, whatever, and that's where you really need to honor everybody's own concept of the divine and understand that sometimes there are beliefs that keep us separate that say, uh, unfortunately, my understanding of the divine is better than your understanding of the divine this is a this is a mis a misapprehension but to honor the purity of what that person believes and connects if it points to goodness and just see through the the separations so that's how i work with it so much can I remember having this um uh, this picture book, Bible, when I was a kid, right, and there was God, kind of like you know the Michelangelo in the Sistine Chapel, you know only maybe he 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 wasn't quite as beneficent as as that he had this big beard and this he was really powerful and scary. Kind of for me, it put the fear of God in me, not the love of God. It was more the fear of God and saying, "Okay, you're going to have a good day, and you're, you're not." And and so it, it didn't. It was. It took me a while to get get past that and see. Oh, the word God is really beautiful, if you can translate it in a way that that, that touches you.
2: Uh, I, um, my husband died suddenly 19 months ago today. Mm. And, um, I came here several times a few years ago. No I came here several times a few years ago to meditate and, mm-hmm. um, um, have meditated a, a lot more since my husband died and said the kadish uh, every day after mm-hmm. he, you know, for the first year after he died. Mm-hmm. And it was actually very, it was a, a quite a different, less theistic translation mm-hmm. that I was using. I'll bring it to you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really beautiful. I would love to see um, it. But a little bit more open and mm-hmm. open to interpretation and mystery. Mm-hmm. And it was extremely supportive. And then um, I was told that after a year I really needed to stop. Um, and it was hard to let go of Saying mm. the Kaddish every day because mm. it it connected me. Um, well,
0: to the divine.
2: It, yeah, um, but it was you know it's part of the wisdom of the Jewish religion. My husband was Jewish. Mm-hmm. Um, that you need to set that aside mm-hmm. at some point.
0: Right. At some point, you you let go of of mourning. Not that you. Not that you necessarily can say, "Okay, now I won't miss that person," but just as a formal practice. So let me ask you. Uh, thank you for sharing that. Let me ask you: How did you find? Uh, what was your process? How did besides saying the Kaddish? What was the? What were the most supportive things that helped you get through that sudden, deep loss?
2: Um, it was sitting on a cushion and I started my meditation by saying Kaddish and then I meditated. Mm -hmm. Um, it was always my intention to do it every day, to meditate every day, but I didn't quite manage that part every day. Mm -hmm. Um, but I also started a gratitude practice, Mm -hmm. um, and at times forced myself to write down 10 things every day that I was grateful for. Wow. Wow. And that's been incredibly supportive,
1: mm.
2: you know, along with friends and family. It's still an extremely deep loss, but I just really appreciate the um, synchronicity of, I didn't even realize until, I, until you started talking that this was the, you know, it's 19 months to the day today, mm. and that I've been meaning to come back here for mm. months and months and months, um, and here I am. So it just it's mm. kind of perfect for me cosmic huh hmm thank you
0: yeah and it's there's no uh there's no right to the um uh to your grieving process no right way to do it there's no you know oh this is how it's supposed to be everybody has their own way but uh this is part of the curriculum that we all are asked to do and having a sudden loss is is a uh, sudden unexpected is a particularly um, challenging syllabus. So I'm I'm really glad that you're here and uh, could support you in that. What's your name? You? Betsy. Hi, Betsy. Mm-hmm. Yes.
3: Uh, my wife I- passed. My wife passed away about four years ago, after 25 months from the day that she was diagnosed with cancer. Mm -hmm. And during that period of time, uh, she made it very clear that she was very aware of the fact that she is going to die and accepted it. And her real challenge was, uh, in her words, not to leave behind her torched earth emotionally Mm -hmm. and to maintain her dignity. She was not fighting to survive. She was trying to maintain her dignity. Mm-hmm. And the transformation that she went through during those 25 months inspired everyone around her. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think that the Jewish, and I did say Kaddish after her, even though she was Korean and mm-hmm. did not did not join uh, any religion. And our kids had to choose between atheism and agnosticism, but that was the range of choices.
1: Mm
3: -hmm. at the time Uh, but I did say the Kaddish and I find that the blessing that you say in Judaism may her memory be a blessing was very true about her and it seems like was very true about the person whose uh, service you you, um, performed Mm -hmm. Uh, because it is indeed uh, an inspiration and a blessing and sort of a guide even though uh, I don't believe in life after death and, and she's gone. But she's still with me and she's still with my children mm-hmm. and she's still with every person that she inspired mm. uh, in her life and in, especially in the transformation
0: mm-hmm. that she went through mm-hmm. in her struggle. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Thank you. Mm-hmm. It's Amir, isn't it? Yes. Hi. What was your wife's name? Say it. Hyun <laughs> It's a tough name to remember. Hyunjung yeah.
3: <laughs> 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 Lee. Yang Jung Lee. Mm-hmm. Thank you. In Korean, they'll say, <laughs> <laughs> Yi hmm
0: Thank you. Anything else? Oh, once? Twice? Oh. oh, and we'll get you. One and then you. Yes. Yes.
1: Okay. Tom? Tom, yeah. Um, you know, well your your story Real about close. your father uh, really made me realize that I had a similar kind of experience with my dad died when he was forty seven Uh-huh. Speak and up a bit. <clears throat> my dad died when he was forty seven Wow, uh-huh and uh suddenly, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it was a traumatic experience. nobody expected it or anything. And to this day, you know, I can hardly talk about it without tearing up um and i'm 75 years old now so it's just it's you're right it just it you, you never separate from that i don't think mm-hmm. it just keeps it's it keeps being part of me you know mm-hmm. that, uh and 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 i'm okay with it actually mm-hmm.
0: i don't mind the tears you know mm-hmm. you know firsthand how anything can happen at any time
1: yeah right yeah, that was that was probably the biggest lesson right there.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sorry for your loss. Thank you. And all the way in the back, and yeah. Thanks, Andrew. And, hi, uh,
4: hi. This is going off topic a little. Okay, my, and my, speak
0: up and speak right into it, and that's it. Oh, sorry.
4: Yeah. Uh, so my wife's dad passed away a few years ago. Uh, she was doing her master's at Penn and she went to India to visit her family. And one day she uh, went to her uh, college to say hi to her professors uh, during her bachelor's. And she received a call from her mom saying, uh, Daddy's not doing well, you need to come back. And Daddy's back, not what? She received a call from her mom uh-huh. saying that her father was not doing well. she need to return immediately. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. By the time she came back to the house, uh, she saw an ambulance coming through and uh, she actually guided the ambulance right to to her doorstep Mm -hmm. and when they came in they they found that he already passed away. Mm -hmm. Now uh, her mom lives by herself uh, currently. Uh, What's difficult in this particular case is my wife she couldn't uh manage herself to say grat you know be grateful towards her dad because uh uh he was very abusive when he was alive yeah. towards his wife mm-hmm.
1: uh,
4: he mm-hmm. most likely had borderline personality disorder mm-hmm. and i guess uh I heard the lady say being grateful helped her, you know, cope with her loss. Mm -hmm. And uh, I do see my wife suffering every day, Mm -hmm. thinking about the times uh, she had spent as a child watching all this abuse every day, more or less. So I was wondering how could one be grateful about such a person i don 't want her to hate him uh, throughout her life uh, i want but uh, what makes the situation even more difficult is She has an anger sister who is uh, who might also be a borderline personality, who might also be a person suffering with this particular disorder mm-hmm. uh, and she is mirroring all his qualities now. And this brings in so much negativity every day. We deal with, we're putting out fires every day, and mm-hmm. it's like uh, you're walking on eggshells. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I was wondering how one could be grateful about such people and not to have that anger and yeah. resentment you know, harbored in your heart. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes. Well, first of all, um, as I said a little while ago, there's no one right way you're supposed to be. And when you've been harmed and hurt, um, gratitude isn't an appropriate response. But Somehow, it depends if you have the uh, exposure and the um, support of teachings to somehow transform your anger and bitterness not into gratitude, into perhaps compassion, understanding, and seeing all the feelings that you feel are natural and important and healthy to honor the bitterness and the anger and the rage and that you're, the, that the one who is holding all of those feelings is the one who's being um, poisoned by them. So it it's kind of, uh, it reminds me of, uh, of, of this very wise being who said, uh, whose family was obliterated by the Nazis and and she somehow transmuted all her anger and her hate because she said, I, they've taken everything away from me. They can't, I don't want them, uh, I don't want to be kept a prisoner of them. That would be the ultimate. This is not an easy thing to just all of a sudden say, okay, I won't feel what I feel. You need to go through with as much support as you can the processing of all the trauma and all the anger, and all the hate, and see that there's causes and conditions that would make somebody be who they are. Just like there's causes and conditions that her sister has taken on certain qualities, it didn't come out of nowhere. And perhaps the same could be said for her father as well, that who is it? Uh, Longfellow has this line. He said, "If you could read the secret history of your enemies, you should find enough sorrow and suffering to disarm all hostility." That if you could understand what was go- what goes on in somebody, even even. Uh, a very cruel person to see the pain and the confusion and whatever life experience went into it. Not that you say, okay, all is forgiven and everything is okay, but there's some kind of an understanding that changes the bitterness into compassion, first for yourself and then for the other, because we're the ones that are poisoned by our own anger and rage. But that takes a lot of support. It takes some real healing. It takes perhaps some deep ritual and, and other ways to process that. It is possible. It's not, that's, a, that's a particularly difficult situation. But when a person sees, oh, do I want to live my life with bitterness and anger, or can I translate this into compassion for for others, for myself, for others, and for that person. Um, it's it's a potential direction to go into. And I, you know, I really feel for her in that situation. Okay, so time to uh, close. We'll just close with a, a quick loving kindness and uh, feeling your own, whatever's going on for you. In fact, uh, you might just, since this isn't a, A particularly uh, um, awakening joy kind of evening. Uh, Hopefully, this wakes you up to how precious life is. But you might put your hand on your heart for a few moments and just hold whatever is coming up for you with tenderness, with compassion with understanding, just making space for it all, and seeing that everything in your life can be used for greater consciousness and awakening and love. May I see through my fears and confusion and learn to share my love well. May I grow in compassion and wisdom and appreciate the preciousness of this lifetime being alive right now. May I wish well for myself and send it out to be shared with all beings. May all find inner peace, compassion, wisdom and freedom. And finally, may our coming here together be of benefit to all beings everywhere. May all beings know true happiness and peace. Thank you very much. Have a great week. Mm -hmm. See you next week.
1: Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.